Okay, welcome to Time Out Coaching with Coach Tony Garbalotto. Today, I would like to welcome a true giant of women's and girls basketball, currently coaching UBI Graz in the top league in Austria and the long-term assistant coach on the highly successful GB women's team. I'm pleased to welcome Coach Vanessa Ellis. Coach, welcome this morning. Hello. Happy New Year. And, um, you know, Let's try to, you know, give the uh, the listeners and viewers, um, the, you know, your like background in, in the game, how you got introduced to it. Because, of course, you know, most of us that know you, you know, know like you're, mm-hmm. you're highly successful playing career. But if you can talk about how you got involved in the game and, of course, it's it's almost ingrained in your family and, you know, your whole life. But it's such a great story. So um, and I'll try and prompt you with some other questions along the way. Okay. Well, you know, I got into basketball because of my mum, Betty Cadona. Um, we grew up uh, on the side of a basketball coach, both as it, she was a teacher, uh, so taught basketball along with other sports at her school. So, you know, we were at primary school nearby. We, she used to send one of the pupils to come and get us and we'd be at the side of, you know, the court, mostly basketball, but netball, right? whatever sports after school she did every evening. And then she obviously set up the first women's team, which was the Sheffield Hatters. So, you know, a couple of evenings a week, we'd be on the side of the court while she was training. She played then as well as coach. So, you know, we just grew up around the sport and, you know, myself and my sister Lorraine, uh, we, we, you know, just ended up falling in love with the game uh, just because, you know, it's a great game and, we played and and just was just it's just part of our family. <laughs> one so. quick one quick question about this: Do you yeah. think how 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 much do you think that um you know being around those senior women and seeing your mum coach? Do you think that first accelerated you as a player? And then also gave you, you know, without actually knowing it, this appreciation of coaching and wanting to 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 follow your mum and, and and do and be a coach. Yeah, yeah you know, it, I think being around any sport, you you learn about it, and you know, we we all talk about role models, and for me, you know, my role model is my mum, and it's as both as a, you know, as a mum, but also as a a basketball player and a a basketball coach. And, you know, she gave me inspiration because, you know, it's very difficult for females um, to go into coaching because they don't have that role model and see people doing it automatically. And, you know, and I just think it it was something that you don't realise till later in life about you know you just because I see it and involved in it it just oh well I can do that it's it's something that's there and you reflect later and sort of understand a little bit more about it right and at this time um you know obviously your mum is starting to grow as a coach as well um what were the things that you were that you were picking up you know were you were you always like you know we're going to work hard we're going to be fundamentally sound obviously i had your mum um on one of the first time out podcasts and you know you could yeah. just sense that um you know she was so about um you know the hard work the competitiveness um bringing yeah. everyone together and then the fundamental skills was that were those yeah. always things that came over yeah you know definitely um we worked hard 
she was tough on us, but fair. And I think, you know, I don't think a lot of people understand that as coaches. You know, you can be tough, but as long as you're fair and consistent and in what you do, your players, you know, will accept that. And, you know, we had to, with the number of repetitions of basic skills we did, it was always, you know, involved in different ways. You know, she did it in different ways, but that was such a big part. The fundamental skills was just there. And we had fun as well with her. And, you know, I do a lot of reading around coaching, a lot of UK coaching new stuff about building community. That's what she did. She built a family. She built a community. Yeah. People, you know, we, we felt part. We, I've still got friends now who I played with from a very young age through basketball. And the Hatter, you know, she always called it the Hatter's family. And she's done that from years ago so you know all these things you read it was for her part of what she did and you know you learn learn from that but you know if she was she was tough and it it was in a good way though well well, it's I do find it very uh, interesting I'm actually doing my masters at my at the moment and I do Mm -hmm. find a lot of this new speak the educational way was really truthfully things that we've been doing for 30 years you know i i I tried to explain that in my course i'm like yeah i didn't have a word for it then i didn't have a terminology for it but i've been actually doing that for you know reflective coaching you know i've been doing that for since i started i didn't know what i was doing but i knew i was was what i was doing so yeah it is uh it is ironic um tell me about some of the you've got a few standout moments from the from the from your playing career what was was some of the things you remember yeah I mean we played um, you know for many years before we were successful I think you know people recognise the Hatters and we were successful in in the 90s and really very very successful you know we won 33 out of 36 titles over that period but before that, we had seasons, we had two seasons where we didn't even win a game. You know, we we lost by a point, we lost in overtime, we got hammered. And, you know, th- that gave us a great grounding of how to cope with it and become resilient. You know, these key buzzwords. Again, you didn't know the word, they were never... But all that just made us better players, better people, a better team. We, we came together because... You know, it's easy to win and it's fun and it's enjoyable, but it's tough to to lose and keep going and come back with the same determination and competitiveness. But we went through that. And I think, you know, the core of us, because it was a core who, you know, there was myself, Lorraine and Skelton, um, who were all involved, people joined the team. Yeah. But, you know, we, we went through that together and it... it and that, to me, is as important as this, the 10 years, a decade where we won. And, yes. you know, and people don't, you know, people... And they said, you know, you get asked daft questions like, oh, are you fed up of winning? No. No, no. <laughs> I have plenty of losing. This winning's great. Yeah, awesome. That's <laughs> you know, great. but, you know, and, and my mum as a coach never changed. No. Whether we won or lost. She didn't change. It didn't impact on her. It, it, you know, it, we, we kept doing the same thing. She didn't let it down. She didn't let us get, you know, overconfident. We still came back and worked hard and did all the things that we needed to do. Do you think, you know, so, uh, yeah. 
when you when you got past the the losing stage and you got into the winning stage do you think that that's some of do you think this 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 kind of winning mentality you know like you said it wasn't something that you were you know that you, that you your mum definitely coached at even kill win or loss but do you think that you know you your coaching has kind of taken on you know i want to be a winner and that's what you've gone on and become. Um, did, yeah. Is that something that you, you know, you think was installed there? You know, that kind of, you know, you know, not win at all costs, but you know, this kind of competitiveness. Yeah. Do you think that that was one of the yeah. things? That you yeah, were doing at that stage? I think. Somebody, I don't know if you can hear that. No, somebody's doing building work around here. Uh, but um, for me as a player, I was very competitive. Uh, you know, it was whatever I I did, I wanted to win. I was really competitive, played hard. And I think that's part of my personality. Um, I think it's also part of the culture that was created, that I was part of. And, you know, it, it's... It, I think it's just there. <laughs> it's just part of me, but also part of an environment and culture that I was involved in. So, you know, when I took over the reins uh, with the first team from my mum, that was really difficult. How can you follow in those footsteps? Yeah, yeah. You know, absolutely. I had to find my own path, you know, and, and that, that was where it was really difficult. People, you know, thought it was easy taking over. It wasn't, because how can you ever do that? I could never match that. I had to find my own journey, if you understand. Absolutely, and I'm going to talk about that now. Um, yeah. it's, it's, uh, we, we, we'll come back to maybe some of the playing stuff in a minute, but what um, what were your earliest memories of, say, of when you kind of, because I'm assuming you were doing some community coaching. Um, you know, you, you yeah. obviously you had one of the biggest role models that anyone could ever have. You know, yeah. your mum as um, you know, one of the most successful, if not most successful coach in this country. And you, so you, what was the time where you started thinking, hey, you know, I, I really could like, I could do this coaching, you know, what was that kind of crossover point yeah. where you started to see that um, or, or, or it, did it just kind of happen, you know, merge at the same time? Uh-huh. Um, a little bit like that. One of the things my mum always did with everybody in the in the club was she encouraged people to do refereeing qualifications, coaching qualifications, because she said as players, it, it gives you a, a much better understanding of the game, a different perspective of the game. So that was all part, again, of this community and giving back. And she said, you know, you can help out. So most of us did a refereeing qualification and a coaching qualification you know, within what we, we did of there. And, I, you know, I don't know why anybody referees. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I will have to do it, but, it's, you know, it's not my, my cup of tea. And uh, But I did enjoy the coaching and was involved in the club while I still played. Obviously, you know, with the younger, you know, back in when I was playing, we didn't have lots of teams. We did have some junior teams and or a junior team and you know I did help and do some work and as the numbers in the club grew we had a, a second team and I got involved coaching with that um, and I just enjoyed it and then when I was playing for England and Laszlo Nemeth was the coach yep. he actually said to me you ought to 
think about coaching Vanessa. I think you'd make a good coach. So, you know, you've got this side helping, you know, enjoyment and being pushed from an early age to do different things. And then Laszlo saying to me this. And I think, you know, I, I just sort of fell into into doing it a little bit more as I stopped. Because I played till I was uh, quite late into my 30s. So, you know, I didn't have my son till I was 39. So, you know, I'd played all that time. Because I loved playing. It was, you know, I don't, I don't understand, you know, people are very different, but why would you stop playing at a young age? Yeah. You, can, you know, you, can, you can't play forever. I could, I'd love to play in the Masters now, but I have no knee. <laughs> 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 yeah. You know, the, the uh, walls of playing basketball. I'm sure there's many people there who understand that. But, Absolutely. you know, yeah. you know, yeah. that's how I sort of got into coaching. And then... Really, after uh, you know that last three or four years as I played, I did more and more coaching. Right, and what talk to me a little bit about um, some of these influences outside of Rome? Because we're going to talk about um, that transition and you know some of the biggest things you learned. But you know, you talk about Laszlo. Were there, were there anyone else that was also that has influenced you, especially in those early years, from a coaching standpoint? Yeah, I think uh, another coach um, who really outside was John Collins. He was one of the England coaches and he made a big impression. He was similar to my mom. He was like really about the, the fundamentals and being, you know, doing it right. And it, so I think really, because most of the time it wasn't my mom, but of the international coaches, it would be Laszlo and John Collins who, yeah. you know, had a big impact on me. Great. Yeah. So now we get you getting to the end of the like an illustrious playing career, like you playing, you know, played internationally, won all of these trophies and stuff. And now you start transitioning, you know, in into coaching. Did you, you know, without, you know, you know, saying that your mum obviously had one of the most incredible philosophies, did you take everything and build your philosophy, your coaching philosophy on that? Or were you thinking actually I can improve on this or just that you felt you had to, to, to do things in a different way. Um, and of course now it's a little bit different because the game has moved on, but what, what were your, yeah. I think, I, I think at first you don't really understand what a coaching philosophy is. I think no. now, you know, you would talk these, these words now in coaching, isn't they? I mean, <laughs> would you know, you know, back then would coaching philosophy really be common? And I don't think it was, but, you know, I think you, what I took from people was what I felt they, was good, what I saw that I didn't want to be like. There were several coaches who coached me and I thought, God, I don't want to, if I'm a coach, I don't want to do that. I think that's as important. Definitely. But yeah. I think you have to be yourself. So, you know, that's why I talked about, you know, my mum was great and I've took a lot from what she did, but I could never be that because that's not me. And you've got to find your own personality and what suits you with key aspects that you feel are important. And, you know, to me it is about, still now it's about the basics and fundamentals and developing players. You know, I watched yesterday, I was watching one of the coaches and they'd separated young players, you know, to bigs and littles. And they were like, they, they're like 14 years old. How do you know what they're going to be like? Sure. You know, it, it's things like that. Yeah. You know, and, and, it's about 
And, you know, and it's things like that as part of what's important to what you want to try and achieve in your coaching with those players. What are you developing? And, you know, these buzzwords of developing people as well as players. But if you're, as a coach, you, you want in commitment and reliability and, you know, and determination, then you're developing player people as well, aren't you? You're you well, showing them I, the right. You're talking to me and, you know, like, uh, of course, you know, when, when I spoke to your mum, it just resonated so much, you know, like um, I, I, I can't agree anything more with than you did saying that I, I didn't understand this thing about developing people because, you know, like you said, if you're going to hold people to account, accountability, timekeeping, um, being good people, you know, uh, respect for the opponents, um, win or lose, um, competitiveness, yeah. will to win. These are all things that are going to be life skills that are going to have to help people and you know, I know that, you know, I'm sure that such as yourself and your mum, so many people have gone in, into the community and been, you know, great at what they do. And that's the same for me. You know, no, it doesn't just mean, you know, not everyone is at Andrew Sullivan, you know, or, you know, like, uh, you know, that goes, that plays at the highest level. Other people go on that's to be right. bank managers or policemen or fire people, you know. So I think it's so important that we all understand that, you know, that these things have always been the case. And like you say, if you've got a good set of core values i think it can can only be you know yeah. great in that respect so talk to me now about um the transitioning process of when your mum kind of handed over the team i mean how did the, how did that go um how many years did you did you assisted your mum for a couple of years is that right yeah i did i, I also, <clears throat> excuse me i coached that our sort of division two team so was that but also was assistant with the the first team the you know um so it was good and you know I, I had responsibility as head coach so you you learn by doing as much and make mistakes and do you know do things well and just develop and I think that's a big thing about coaching just sometimes just have a go and do it you know sport is about making mistakes that's why it's great isn't it if it was all perfect it would, wouldn't be interesting and you know and and as a coach, you, you're part of that. You're going to make mistakes. You're human. You're going to make wrong decisions like players do. You're going to, you know, make a sub that you shouldn't have done. But that's all part of your learning, isn't it? And understanding. And, you know, and if you think back and use the word reflecting, which, you know, if you think about what you've done, then next time you've learned from it. And, you know, and I think it's, it's really important that you get roles like a head coach of a Division Two team because – you've got to take responsibility and, sure. and have a go and just get on with it. Yeah. And then as assistant, it's a, another different role. And why you're an assistant? Well, you've got to understand what does the head coach want? What's your role in there? And again, that can change. I've been as like, you know, you touched on with the Great Britain team and being assistant to very, you know, very different head coaches. So I've had very different roles there. So it's, again, it's about a learning process and, you know, and just getting on with it. And so then when my mum decided she was going to step down, she she did talk to me and that, and it wasn't, you were just doing it automatically. She did, we did discuss whether I wanted to do it, mm. uh, which I jumped at. I did want to. So, you know, that wasn't a problem. And, you know, like I said earlier, I just had to do it 
and be me. I couldn't try and be her. I had to be me. And, and I did change some things, kept a lot of the values I believed in as well, sure. but brought in my own sort of leadership style uh, and training style uh, to the team. Yeah, no, that's awesome. And then obviously, you know, with much success as well, the continuing success, basically. Um, yeah. what, what, what were your thoughts there? Were you, um, you were conscious, you know, trying to refresh things or, you know, how, how, what was that time in that period like? Or was it just, you know, look, I'm, I'm, I'm focused. I'm I know I can do this, you know, like we're, we're just going to continue, yeah. you know, what we've always done. How, how did that? How would... A bit of both. I think I, um, I wanted to bring in some changes. I'd been doing some coaching. Um, I'd been assistant with Brani Bazzani. Uh, so some things there. I'd been, you know, you play when you play internationally. You you see and learn things from other other teams. So you know the things you can bring in. I mean, people don't understand now. It's so easy to see international basketball. You know, you, you talk about 20 years ago, it wasn't that easy to see. Get, I mean, it's it's there, isn't it? Touch of a button, you can watch games from anywhere. And it's ironic, um, not ironic, but, you know, as even as with if, to, to, if there's people listening, you know, uh, girls and women's coaches, that the amount of high level women's basketball that's on FIBA you, yeah. YouTube at this moment, it's unbelievable. You can watch all yeah. the European competitions. So, you you know, yeah. I, I don't know a time where you could never have, like, as just as a young coach, watch all of this basketball being played. It's just incredible. It's, it's It just yeah. was never... Well, that's, never it. And that's a great thing now, isn't it? It's, you know, it's the EuroLeague, EuroCup bubbles, and you can sit and watch three or four games a day. And, and I don't think in Britain people do that enough. No. You know, we, we're an island and I think we well, not everybody, but a lot of the coaches have got that island meant they don't see the level of the basketball, the, the different sort of, particularly on the women's game, the, you know, the difference between the female players and what they can do and their athleticism and the, you know, the different styles of, of the game that's out there. We're going to get onto that towards the end, um, you know, talk about your, your role mm-hmm. now, but um Talk. Uh, let's talk a little bit about um, then England stroke Great Great Britain. You know all of your roles. Um, talk about some of the highlights, but also more importantly, you know some of the things that you started to experience as a coach. Um, like you said, working with a number of um, a number of different head coaches. Yeah. Um, well, the, the, my first opportunity, I was assistant with the England women, and then. Uh, that sort of all disappeared. And then when Great Britain came uh, to the forefront because of the London uh, Olympics 2012 and Great Britain had to be established, I actually was fortunate enough to get the GB under 20s job uh, for two years. And that was a great experience. I mean, it was scary because, you know, you're thrown into something like that as head coach and, but I, uh, it was great. I loved it. It was, I don't know, it was just, and the group of girls, and I think people don't always see there's not that many girls playing basketball. So, you know, you really go with then. It was when with who was available. You know, I had 13 to choose 12 from, and I think one girl got injured. So the 12, the first year, the 12 was selected. And, 
uh, I think the second year was similar, you know, people of that level, but we were, we had a great time and, you know, in a way we, we were in our own level. We didn't get a lot of support as, as we do now and very little training, but we just got on with it. It's just get on with it and worked hard. And, you know, I was fortunate enough to have Joe Leadham in the under twenties at the time. And, you know, what a great talent she was and became and, and is a fantastic player. I think, you know, people don't understand the level that she got to no. and the level she's played. She doesn't get the recognition that she, you know, for the past 10 years where she's the level she's played at. Yeah. But, you know, we had a great time. And for me, I learned so much. Even then I'm like, oh, my God, I need to know more. I think, you know, the it's, you know, and I... I wouldn't say I thought I knew enough, but when you go something like that, you think how much more do you know you've got to learn? And uh, you know, I just wanted to learn and understand and chatting to other coaches and and seeing that basketball, even at under twenty level, you can see how I'm young players are yeah. at, in other countries and the understanding of the game and the IQ and what they can do and. And, you know, and I think that just gave me more. And we did well. We The second year, we we won, uh, we were third and won the first ever medal. We weren't promoted because it was only two teams then. But it was the first medal any team had won in a European championships. And after that, fortunately, people have got promoted and stuff. So, you know, it, that was a real big thing for me. And then I had a bit of a break and was approached uh, in 2009 and said, would you like to be assistant with the senior women? We're bringing um, international coaches in, but we want to develop some British coaches. And it was myself and Damien Jennings. Sure. Uh, well, I didn't even have to think about it, you know. <laughs> there were no thinking, yes, immediately. Um, and, you know, I know what an opportunity it was. Even now, I, you know, I understand how lucky that that firm, but I'd put a lot of work in and sure. I'd been successful uh, with the Hatters and I'd been successful with the under 20. So, you know, the hard work and the time and the commitment I'd put in up to that point, yeah. you know, it'd been a lot and had success. You know, yeah. I'd had success with the second team. We'd made playoffs, we'd won the playoff final or runner up in this with the Hatters as well. So, you know, it was. I'd put the time and effort in and hard work and, and you, you know, I got a little bit of a reward. Do you think that, um, you know, who do, who do you think, who, who, who do you semi credit for like, was that Warwick who was pushing for that um, at that time? Warwick was um, Okay. Right. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, it was, oh, what's his name? The Canadian guy. Um, I'm rubbish yeah. with names. I'm terrible. It'll come to me, but yeah, Warwick wasn't even in then, so right. it was the the Canadian guy who actually got Damien to go to Calgary because that was where he was from. Um, and um, Bill McGuinness was on the uh, yeah, board, yeah. board. Right. Uh, and then so it was him who actually gave me the call. So I think the right. the board had discussed it and looked for the the people who they felt. Sh- needed you know for development and you know in a way it's like a mentorship program yeah, you know no, no, from Tom no. Marr and Ken Shields wow what a pair and yeah. you know it it's uh, it you know for me it was great for the experience but also my my coaching journey and my coaching learning 
Well, I always, uh, I mean, people that listen to me before say this, but it is true that, you know, you know, when you were part of like, obviously on the other men's side, you know, myself and Tim, you know, when we were, we were there with Chris and Nick, you know, and the Paul McKeskey to a different extent as well. Mm-hmm. You know, it was like, um, it was like a clinic 101 every single practice session, you know, it was like, I, I spent more time putting stuff into a notebook than I did in the actual, like, you know, like when, when players, some of the players wanted to, uh, to shoot extra shots, I was writing down these drills and you know some of the stuff I'd seen so yeah it's uh, yeah. You know, um, you're right um, Tom Mayer I want to ask this question because you are one of the people that would have been on the front line there's a couple other people I can ask but was a unique coaching style I remember the first I, it was one of the first ever camps he held in Manchester and I happened to be running a Nike camp at the same time in Manchester and I went along to one of those first say, training sessions and I'd never seen anything like that for women's basketball women am I right in saying that you know it was just hardcore like uh, like almost like you know well, I'm gonna I'm gonna break you almost is that was that was that some of the without you know got disclosing but you know I, I it was just to me it was a unique style of coaching for women's basketball am I right in saying that yeah. or yeah, no, you, you, you're spot on. He was the right person to be brought in for that four-year cycle to take us to 2012. Wow. He was tough, at, more so at the start, if you saw him at the start. And I think part of that was, you know, he wanted to get the right people who he wanted to work with. So if I break you and you can't come back then you're not part of this. You're not an international player. You know, the players were Marmite within. They either loved him or hated him. Sure, sure. And people who were there four years and key players, you know, really didn't like him. But they respected him for making them the players or the, you know, to where we got to. He changed that, the core values of of the women's programme. Changed it completely. Um, you know, over the four years, that being so hard, but he never stopped. I mean, he was he was tough, you know, and some of the things he said was, you know, you, I, could, you, I couldn't repeat now. But um, so I know from the place point of view, they were either, you know, really, really loved him or didn't like him but respected him for where you, they got to. What, what was, for what me... Was- yeah, what were some of the things you took from from him? You know, as a, as a coach, well, was there was there anything that you were like, wow, you know, I you know, I'll take, I I can see that, you know, as as a real asset to me as a coach. I think his knowledge of of um, the game, then his knowledge of um, the details. So even of the skills and the fundamentals, the knowledge of that detail and what he had to do and how he had to do it, it was amazing. He, he, you know, he didn't, he wasn't, he had, he was highly intelligent person and knew lots of things and read and like coming into Britain, you know, I, I got to know him really well, but he, he was interested in our history, so read and knew. And he used to ask questions for like the team to decide who got the ball. And the players were like, "How do you know this? They didn't even know it." Right. I know about kings and queens, but you know, but for him, he wanted to understand our culture and learn about. And people, a lot of the players didn't see that either. 
you know, they just thought he'd read it, you know, read a question off and give it to them. But he, he, you know, he wanted to know about all these things. And so that was one thing. And I think for him, it was just really um, just the knowledge of the game he had. It was incredible. You know, it was incredible. And, you know, and Ken Shields was the same and the experience and, you know, sat there as an assistant coach. So they'd sometimes in meetings be going, you know, loggerheads and different views. And then they'd turn to me and go, which one do you think's right? I'm like, well, you've got to agree with the head coach. <laughs> <laughs> you that's know, we're one. both right. You know, that's the thing with yeah. basketball, that we're both right. Yeah. Uh, you know, because there's many ways to do things, isn't there? So, you know, when you sat there and you're thinking, oh, dear. So, you know, just go with the head coach. It's much easier. <laughs> yeah, but that, that you know, and just discussing around the game and, you know, he, he did ask Ken and he did ask me and he did ask Damien. So, and then he made the decision. It wasn't just, this is my way. You know, he knew a lot, and you, but he was open to accept and listen to other people, even if he chose his way in the end. Sure. He, he sure. listened and made sure that that was the right way to go. Right. And, um, you know, any anything else from that Olympic, incredible, you know, Olympic experience or, you know, and then after that, what was the pro, what was your next stage? What was the yeah. next stages after that? And obviously you got things like Commonwealth Games and then obviously the, the GB program now. Yeah, I mean, I just think um, each what he brought, he showed um, the particularly on the women's side that there is an opportunity for the women from Great Britain to be successful. You know, he brought in. I mean, those players were in incredible physical shape, and for some of them, it's it's changed their careers. And you know, you look at somebody like Rachel Vanderbilt, who's still. I mean, she's injured this year, but playing into her late, you know, thirties at high level and that's because of the physical physical shape she got into and has maintained ever since you know but there's other examples and you know and all that aspect and ultimately you can have all the sports science and we had a lot of money then in the game you know because of the olympics but it's down to the coach you know you can have all this pa and we had you know the gps and this gadget that gadget and but ultimately it's about the players on the floor, if you get them in good shape, which Nick Grantham did a great job um, at the time, and you've got a coach who knows what he wants, that's what's important. Yeah, okay. Interesting, interesting. So mm-hmm. after the Olympics, um, did you, what was the, the next team that you were involved in? Well, after the Olympics, uh, Damien Jennings actually coached, was the head coach for a year. Right. So, um, and we went, you know, he, we went into Euro basket qualification. Well, we qualified, we were qualified for Eurobasket. So we went into going to go to Eurobasket. And then they brought in, uh, Warwick brought in Pete Buckle, who then the following year became the head coach. Um, so... Yeah. yeah, so that was the two years after. <laughs> okay. And then uh, Commonwealth Games, do you want to talk a little bit about that? I mean, that's obviously a proud moment for you as well. Yeah, I just think that the the Commonwealth Games for the women as, uh, was, um, and it was a shame that some of the players couldn't be there because of their professional sort of contracts. Um, but it, I think that was really... Um, 
success came from the the previous years of Chema coming in and right. changing the culture, uh, changing, you know, the... So Yeah, so actually, let's back, back that... Let's back yeah. that up. Sorry. Um, let's talk about Chem, Chem coming in um, and then, you know, you've been an assistant because you're right. That kind of whole period, you know, like, I, you know, we always, always remember the super successes, um, you know, but there was a whole, there was a little bit of a build up to that. Talk talk about, yeah. you know, what he's meant to women's basketball, specifically the GB team and, and how he's influenced yourself as well. Well, I'll just... Just before I talk about Chema, the year before was Pete Buckle. Right. And I'm not going to say too much, but a year was enough for him. Okay. Right? So, you know, you talk about Tom being hard, that's somebody who was doubly hard but not got the same sort of character or fairness or consistency of Tom. Yeah. I'm not saying anymore, but then Chema come in. It could not have been... As far apart as coaches, if you tried. <laughs> so at that point, the first session Chema was in, the players are coming to me and going, what's happening? We're not training hard. We're not doing enough sessions. We're not, we're, you know, we're not being shouted at. We're not, you know, they could not. Honest to God, you asked some of them, it was like, what's happening? Oh, that first, the first sort of weekend camp, it was that it was so polar apart, the coaching style, the everything about it. And I just said, just, just go with it, just go with it. Because having met Chema a couple of weekends previously, you just, as soon as you meet him, you, he's, you know, he's a great person, a great person, as well as a great coach. And, you know, just from that, and from that, the building, what he's brought into the women's programme is, you know, he's a doctor of psychology. You can see how that influences his coaching. Um, and, you know, it is, but he still wants the detail. He's still got his coaching style. He's still got his, you know, the details in there. on the But a way and the way he leads is just incredible. And he's brought the team. And I can see a lot of what we've got in GB now is... It's a, it is a family. It is, right. um, it's a team culture. And it's it's a very close um, sort of group of people in this sure. team. And, and people have come in and stayed and people have come in and, and, and gone. Because if you're not part of this family and this team, this culture, you know, I saw one of your questions about what you said, your favourite saying. Well, I'll tell you now, it's, it's the positive glasses. Because it means so many different things within our within our team, within the GB team, right. it, and it, and that's what he's brought. He's brought positivity in many different aspects into you, our culture. As someone that's coached like at the highest level and has been in British basketball for such a long time, been part of all these British programs, um, do you think that that culture is more important than uh, actual style of play? Um, I think I, it, it, you can change your t- style of play right. because you have to change it depending on who your opposition is sure. to a certain extent. So you've got a, 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 a basic one, but how you play, the details of how you play, 
which I always say style of play because sometimes you have to pressure sometimes, you know, you we've got our style um, and be gritty because we haven't got, you know, the, the many, you know, we've got different players. So we have to play to our, our way, but we have to detail for the opposition. But I do think the culture is so important with that. The reason why I say that is, um, I mean, we all have sat around tables, you, me, mm. um, with Warwick and with all other types of people. We've talked about should British basketball have this style of play? Should our younger players be, you know, taught like in France to press and trap and be athletic and um, fast break? Uh, or should we should we be detail oriented like a lot of the European teams? What, whatever we decide um, versus you're right, you know, Chem has brought this you know, this, this culture, this family um, culture to, to this team. My question is, is can that translate into not just all of the underage um, women's teams, but can it also translate over to the men's teams? Is there something that should be built on the, what he's built or is it unique just to the women's program, the senior women's program? I don't think it's just unique to the senior women's program. I think it's his coach, big part of his coaching philosophy, what we talked about. I think that he'd do that with any team. Um, I, you know, going back to the coaching styles, I think a lot of the countries choose their style, but they start it at an early age. And a lot of the club programs and a lot of the club development bring that into to their coaching. Can our co- club coaches do that? So if from the top we say we want to play this stuff, how many coaches could develop that early? Yeah. You know, and that, you know, that that's a, another conversation altogether. But I do feel that it can go across the um, the GB programs all ages. I think it's really important that we develop a culture which is positive around the GB programs and players want to be involved and Absolutely. they want to be wear that vest yeah. and I think we, we have lost that yeah. uh, and you know particularly um, you know in recent years and I think Chem has brought that back for the women uh, particularly and I hope that you know if he I know he's talked on uh, over the summer on some Zoom meetings with the GB coaches so I hope you know they take a lot of that because it's so important. Mm. You know to get to get players to be and in a positive environment. Yeah. You know a lot of people have a bad experience at a young age, and that's not what we want. We want them. You know it doesn't mean you're playing. You can play no minutes and still have a positive experience. Absolutely. And this is this is the thing. It's it's about the whole experience of what GB means. Interesting. Um, let's just, uh, I mean, just finishing up on the GB situation yeah. and obviously that Commonwealth Games. I mean, it's, I don't think I'm wrong in saying this, but, you know, Great Britain women's basketball is in the, the best place it's ever been, you know, at the highest level it's ever played at, you know, just, you know, inches away from the Olympic Games, um, you know, competing, I mean, you know, with the top 20 teams in, in the world um, consistently and with real, you know, real ability. What, where, where do you think we go from here and what, what what's the process with that? I mean, um, yeah. I think what we have to learn from it is if you look at the, the some key players in the team, 
You can talk about Rachel, Joe, Steph, Shan, Temi. All right? Yeah. They were in from 2009. I mean, Temi came in a little bit later. But they've gone through a process which, for them, you know, they've become elite players. And, you know, you look at Joe, uh, Rachel, Temi, uh, Sheridan Green now, uh, Ailey, they're playing basketball, you know, at a high level. Three of our players are in, in the bubbles for the EuroLeague EuroCup. We've got to encourage our, our young players to want to aspire and play at that level because if they're not playing at that level week in, week out, we're not going to compete on the international stage. Yeah. If they're, if you know, I'm not taking anything away from the WBBL, but we cannot put a successful international team in with just players who play in the WBBL. It's not a high enough level. No. They've got to be training and playing against good players day in, day out, week in, week out. And, you know, and that's where our young players have got to take their role models from, from Rachel, from Ailey, from Temi, from Joe, from Christina, from Sheridan. You know, that's where they've got to be. So great segue, great transition. No, now, you know, you made that decision, um, you know, a bit it was you know probably a lot of it had to do with the pandemic at that time um but you're now you know transitioned and you're now coaching in europe um in austria um talk to me about you know first about that process and then secondly um i mean some of the biggest differences you see from the wbbl you know to 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 your situation now yeah i mean it was a bittersweet really moving to graz because Part of it was the funding of the Hatters. We we just could not continue financially in the WBBL, you know, and you know it was it was tough. So we we decided to take a year, see if we can you know get some funding in. Um, so for me personally, I wasn't coaching, and you know I've always coached now for so many years alongside my teaching lecturing job um, and that had gone as well as part of you know the pandemic so I was just in a bit of a you know a bit of a strange situation um, and then um, another part of why I came here my son Quinn had the previous year had been seen when he played for GB under 16 and been scouted and, and got um, picked up by a club in Italy so he'd gone the previous year, had a good year, really enjoyed it. So he was settled there. He'd got a four-year uh, sort of uh, offer as a, a, in their academy. So he was, so I knew he was settled and fine, and he was going back. So when the offer came in, it was like, yeah, I'm going to go for it. There was nothing in England, nothing in Britain for me. You know, I'd not coached. I'd had three years working at an academy, coaching full time, and I'd loved it. And I just didn't see that there was any opportunities for me to to coach full time in Britain, which you know is really sad. Um, so, you know, it was something I wanted to do. Everything else, you know, around it had fitted in, particularly with Quinn being settled, and I knew it was okay. Sure. But why not? Why not? Let's go for it. You know, because some people have said, asked me, 
what you've gone at your age well why, 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 why not you know don't laugh just at the start when you get older you know why shouldn't I have a new challenge why shouldn't I go you know the worst thing is it all goes wrong seven months of my life but at least I've done it and tried it you know but you know no, it's, I, don't, but I, I don't I don't think it's gone wrong you're a you're a n zero so yeah. that uh, I'm, I'm pretty certain yeah. there's going to be success that will follow you so what uh, tell me tell me about a typical when when there's no um i mean kind of let's say that there's no restrictions and you know we don't live in the crazy world we live in at this moment but what yeah. would a typical week look like uh, at Gratz? because you obviously said that it's completely different to you know a wbbl situation and i've got to admit and this is no uh not anything with against len you know when i who i did last week on on my podcast but i was genuinely shocked when he told me that he was practicing two times a week um and yeah. again you're saying that you know this is the best team in the WBBL at this moment and they're practicing two times a week and that's not yeah. something we want to be at you know and that's not Len's fault and it's not you know that's no. basketball it's where we are and we've got to find a way yeah. of, of raising our standards yeah you know totally agree with you I mean Hatters even when we were successful we were training two times three times a week and that's it. And, you know, and I've come here and I just think sports viewed slightly differently. The Austrian league is classed as amateur. So I think what that means is you can't bring players in. Uh, they have to, people, anybody can play in the league, any nationality, but you've got to be working or studying in Austria. Right. Interesting. And it's, uh, you know, and to study, you've got to be able to speak German or pass a German test. So, right. you know, you can't bring an American in to study, you know, if they come, it's got to be, you know, it's a bit more official. It's not like, you know, I know, you know, teams like Cardiff and Leicester offers scholarships and stuff. It's not like that. It's like you've got to be part of Austrian living. What's good about it, it means a lot of the Austrian players are actually playing. There are players from Croatia and Bosnia and, you know, countries around who've come in to study or work in Austria. So there are those international players. But the the Austrian players are playing. Yeah. And, you know, we train, team trains four times a week. We have two athletic training sessions. We have two couple of individual skill sessions during the week. And this is classed as an amateur league. (laughs) It's crazy, yeah. And that's... You know, I've got an opportunity to be a paid coach. And, you know, and these are the difference. And sports supported, whether it's male or female, uh, whether it's basketball, handball, volleyball, football, by the businesses around Gratz. So the big sort of transport company uh, sponsors a couple of the teams. The energy company in Gratz sponsors a couple of the teams. So money's put into sport and to enable people to play and you know it, it's very it's, it's not a cheap country here and so the money's needed to to have to support it but local companies do support you know sport here and I think that's a big difference and they invest in the people from Austria rather than bringing in you know five Americans or two Americans and three Europeans who dominate the court time 
Do you, um, you know, in this short period you've been there, you know, have you sensed, uh, you know, a different way of playing and have you changed some of the way that you've, you've, you've approached, um, not so much your core values of your coaching and, you know, like all of your, the things that you've built okay. on for such a long time, but have you changed maybe some technical or tactical type stuff, um, to fit in or, you know, have you evolved some tactical yeah. stuff? Yeah, I think, I think one thing I found here was the players were in much better shape physically, um, you know, and work hard. They, you know, you don't have to push them as much if, if you understand that that's part of their ethos, I think. Um, I brought different tactics in and brought some new things in that they've not seen before. But I think you always do, don't you, as a coach, you bring it in. But I accepted what they're good at as well. And I think that's that's what you have to do. See what their strengths are. What can you add to those? And that's what I've tried to do. Mm, interesting. That's mm. great. Um, slight change. Um, the thoughts on uh, the British coaches and British coaching fraternity. I mean, uh, you've now been a pillar of that side, especially on the women's side. But um, I mean, you know, have you got any thoughts on it? Um, I'm sure you do have. Like we, we as senior coaches, we all we all do. Yeah. But yeah, any any anything you? I just feel. Um, we need to do more to develop coaches. If we want to develop the game, we have a lot of talent. You know this. We have a lot of talent, particularly on the boys' side, because more boys play, but even on the girls' side. And I think a lot of that is wasted because they don't get enough good, effective coaching um, from an early age. Right. And I think, you know, if we focused and really focused on coach development, um, I think we could really have an impact on the young, uh, you know, the young players. And do you think that that's, uh, you know, a governing body led situation or do you think that that's just something that we've, we've got to take more ownership as, as coaches, you know, senior coaches? What, what, what's your thoughts on that? I think both, isn't it? I think that's both. I think the governing body is responsible for coach development to a certain extent and really got to change our system. I don't think the system's right at all. Mm. Um, but I think we have to take responsibility as well. Uh, I think that's it's a, it's comes from both sides, but it's got to be a joint effort. I think it's got to be cooperation and sort of a real sort of strategy put in place so everybody can be effective. Um, and at the moment... I, I see it, you know, I, I do feel as a female coach, you, you, you've got a different perspective of it. I've had a very different experience. I do believe if I was a male coach with what I'd done, I'd have a much different sort of opportunity level, even within Britain, than I have as a female coach. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's a, that's that's a fair view. That's a that's, that's my a that, that's a that's an absolutely uh, a fair and honest assessment. Um, the most ironic part of that assessment is that mm. even as as successful men's coaches, there's still almost so little, so few opportunities within the actual UK game. Um, it's just not yeah. enough, you know, movement, yeah. you know, and there's not enough jobs. It's it's crazy to to, to, to say it. No. <laughs> There's a profession. So, you know, if you do, I did my master's and uh, in sports coaching and, you know, 
I really enjoyed it and you learn lots of aspects like you know like you've talked about and it's complex coaching's complex it's not easy people think you know it makes me laugh sometimes to get a player go oh, go and coach that session as though it's easy and then people go oh, that's not very good well no because they're not you know you wouldn't send somebody to do a you know another job just go and do it and think they'd be good at it you know that's that's the the impression over here. Anybody can coach. Well, no, they can't. No, definitely. yeah, anybody can coach, but can they do it well? Are they effective? Are they good? And you know, and that's we've got to change that perspective. That coaching is is a profession. It's difficult. People who are good at it, you know, give them a bit of a, a recognition and kudos. But also, we need to have a real strategy and how to get people to be good coaches. Just, uh, just on that, so on that point, just I always come up, come, come with this as a, as a little story. But the simple facts is true. You know, when I, when I'm in Germany um, or anywhere in Europe, and I say that I'm a coach, I'm treated as the same level as a doctor and as a professor. Yeah. When I'm in the UK, you know, they think that I'm someone that gives out the oranges at half time. That's what. <laughs> that's the mentality of uh, sports coaches in in this country. Unless you're obviously yeah. a high level soccer coach or maybe a little bit of a rugby yeah. coach so yeah very very yeah. very very sad just really quickly talk to me about um specifically from the women's side um you think there's a fraternity you think that um the women's coaches are together enough sharing enough information um encouraging younger coaches what well, you know did you have many younger and a specific specifically younger girls or younger women should we say do you feel that there's a, a yeah. enough younger women that are trying to get involved in coaching um, in the UK? Well, um, I don't know if you're aware, but Basketball England's done a female leadership coaching programme. And I think there's, I can't remember, 12 young coaches on that. And, you know, I was asked if you want to be mentioned without, again, hesitation, just said yes. And, you know, so I think that's really good. And they have monthly meetings. I've missed the last uh, Zoom meeting because I was travelling back here uh, after I had a nightmare getting back here after Christmas. But that's another story. But, you know, that that's great that they're trying to, you know, create this sort of female sort of... Um, group of girls who can communicate and connect. I think what was sad for me was, you know, they've asked mentors and there's two female mentors and eight male mentors. And I'm like, oh, you know, that's, that's, that's but at least, you know, these 12 young coaches are on this programme and hopefully from those 12 and, you know, other, other players see that there's female coaches out there. And, you know, when I did my dissertation, I looked at why there's so few female coaches. Right. And, you know, and this, they, they came up with different aspects. And one is role models. One of the factors right. is role models. Absolutely. Uh, the lack of, because, you know, research shows if you've got a role model and, you know, you, you want to follow, emulate them. And it was interesting when I interviewed some female coaches, one of them actually said when she first finished playing, she were like, am I allowed to do this? Because there was no other than at that point, myself and, you know, I think my mum was still about, she knew my mum because of that. She said, there weren't any female coaches and I'm thinking, am I allowed to do this? 
Well, I mean, you know, that's that's the thing. But you know, it's it's difficult, and you know, this society, what the role of women is, and opportunities for women, and much less than men, even you know, from all that. So you know, I'm so pleased that these twelve young people are there, and hopefully they'll inspire other people, and we'll get more females into coaching. Right. That's fantastic. Okay, uh, rapid, very quickly on the rapid fires. You've already answered one, your the favorite um, saying statement. Um, so give me favorite all-time drill, basketball coaching drill. One oh, I, I saw this, but I, I don't know if I've you know? got a favorite. <laughs> I think it's so hard. I think, I don't know about yourself, but, you know, you have a drill and you use it a lot and then, it goes out and then you or you change it and develop it, how the game changes, or your players, and or you think, oh, that might adapt this way. So I, I don't, uh, you know, I think anything that works somebody hard and makes them make decisions and develops skills or something that, you know, I, I just don't really have a favorite <laughs> no, that's, that's fine that's fine i mean if you got like it's not everyone like has that i mean i've got a few favorites i've got a lot like quite a few favorites but it's uh no yeah. that's, that's fine um and then lastly the favorite um all-time basketball coach well i've got to say my mom <laughs> i've got so she had such a big influence on me many other people in the women's game and you know it's where, where, why I'm where I am now. She's why where I am now. And, you know, not just as a coach, but I, you know, when I went into coaching and did all these things, you know, I was a single mom. And without her, my family, I wouldn't have been able to go and do these things. So she's not only a favourite for me as a player, but she's also a favourite because she's my mum and supported me and gave me the chance to, to get the experiences and opportunities I, you know, I've had. Right. So, um, coach, like you know, firstly, um, want to say thank you very much indeed for you know being no. today. You know, it's been enlightening. There's been so many nuggets in there um, throughout the conversation, and then secondly, to say um, you know, stay safe, stay stay safe, and um, you know, good luck for the rest of the season. I hope that um, yeah. it, it finishes. You can almost go undefeated, and uh, you know, potentially, um, you know, obviously continue to move on but um you know i'm sure that uh, we haven't heard the the last from you and and hopefully you know the women the gb women's team can continue to 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 plow on and continue to 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 you know to you know yes. build the profile of, of british basketball internationally yeah we've got a big game coming up um against belarus so Hopefully, the people of GB will be putting their positive glasses on and Absolutely. sending yeah. positivity, you know, to us. And you know, and hopefully, we've, we've, we're doing a lot of preparation. And you know, we're working as a coaching team uh, to get prepared for that. So, keeping fingers crossed. That's great. Thank you. Thank you, Coach. Okay. Thanks. Thanks for listening to another episode of Timeout. You can now find all of our episodes on iTunes and Spotify, so please like, subscribe, and let us know who you'd like to hear from in a future episode.